0: Today's episode is a love fest for those who draw and paint horror. The scary stuff. The creepy stuff. And quite a few terrific illustrators and artists came up in the conversation too. Names like Basil Gogos, San Julian, Enrique Torres, Bernie Wrightson, Bernie Krigstein, Mike Mignola, Bessette and Tottlebin, Kelly Jones, Joelle Jones, H.R. Giger, Alan Williams, Sigistwa Beksinski and others. And we make special mention of some incredible horror-centric books and IPs, such as Wayne Barlow's Inferno, Serpieri's Druna Saga, and Michael Walsh's The Silver Coin. And of course, we ask a few questions. Did these artists choose the horror genre, or did horror claim them as its victims? Can a static comic book image truly frighten you when there's no sound or movement? In other words, no jump scare. And is there a difference between scary, creepy, and that which is psychologically disturbing? I'm Swain Hunt, and today I'm flanked by my co-host Dwight Clark and our special guest Braxton Harrison. The three of us met up in a darkly lit hallway, wearing sleep caps and night shirts, with only a single lantern to light our way, as we searched for artists who draw and paint horror And do it well. Do you remember your first time encountering horror as a genre, as it relates to art, maybe with comics or something like that? Like the first time you said, okay. You know, like, they're leaning hard into this. This isn't just a scary story that just popped up. Mm-hmm. The publisher or something, they're leaning hard into this. This is an actual genre within comics. Because when I first came to comics, most of it was, you know, obviously superheroes. Mm-hmm. And the comics that our parents grew up on, you know, they, you know, they read westerns and love stories mm-hmm. and crime fiction and war comics, adventure comics, and superheroes were part of it. But when we came of age... It was mostly superheroes, but I still kind of remember like House of Secrets and House of Mystery and that sort of thing. But what do what are your guys' first encounters with it? You know, where you're like, oh, okay, this person seems to specialize hmm. in, in this kind of thing. Um, um, I think
1: I definitely remember all of the comics that were. You know, when I showed up on the scene, I recall all of the comics that had the the mascot or whatever, you know, the witch and, and, uh, okay. Or what's the dude? That he, he took off and there, there's movies of him, the crypt keeper. Well, the crypt keeper, he's, he's one of them, you know? Yeah. I remember seeing, seeing those comics, uh, around, but you know, I'm reaching for the superhero comics when I was a kid. Uh, I, though I do remember, <laughs> um, is it Bassell or, the Swamp thing, I read it, percent yeah. yeah, and for sure, and you know that's definitely hard, I, I remember thinking oh wow i'm I'm out of the superhero uh genre right now i'm this is some scary stuff,
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: Uh but definitely swamp thing
2: yeah, for me, it was uh my first recollection of it was like Swain said on the, on the magazine racks in grocery stores was the creepy and eerie. I didn't pick them up because I really wasn't interested in that kind of that kind of. Um, I was not drawn towards I was drawn towards the superheroes, like you said, Rex. Um, but I do recall seeing those those pictures and remember that like the, the the painted covers by, by Frazetta and by you know various other other artists, other painters at that time. I was like, wow, this is really, like, good stuff. It's almost it's very almost semi-photographic to my young mind, you know. Yeah. So I I thought they were cool, but I didn't I really was interested in picking them up because that wasn't my my genre. I wanted to see. You know, Gore didn't do it for me. I I wanted to see, you know, butt kicking and cakes <laughs> and you know you know, lassos, whatever the case may be. So I didn't really pick, get into it. But later on, like you said, I think that the deal breaker for me was, honestly, uh that same Stephen Bassett Tolbin uh swamp thing with Alan Moore. Alan Moore broke all barriers for me in terms of how good Horror could be. Yeah. You know? And I was like uh, mm-hmm. but but prior to that I think I I'll take that back. I did like I did like the crossovers with Wolfman, with uh, um, Werewolf by Night, and Spider-Man, and Morbius. I did like those. Right. Those are cool.
0: No, that was uh, Man-wolf, Man- but Man-Wolf. Man-Wolf, that's right.
2: Because that was, that was J. John Jameson's son, right? <laughs> J J J J, J. J.'s son.
0: Yeah, the astronaut. <laughs> yeah, of course he'd
2: be an astronaut,
1: you know. But... <laughs> I don't remember that kid. What did he do, go to the moon and... and uh... He turned into a werewolf. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> See, you
0: just wrote the comic right there, Braxton. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he came back. He came back, and he had a um, he had a, a sword and uh, <laughs> some some cool like like ankle gauntlets, and uh, he he was pretty sharp. He was dapper for a while,
0: man. Oh man! But he he but he turned into a wolf because he had he'd had a stone that he'd gotten when he was in on the moon,
2: it embedded in his chest,
0: and he brought it back home. And it why not it it it, it, it you know it. <laughs> Incited some kind of lycanthropy or whatever, and then you know, yeah, and he turned into the man wolf, man hyphen wolf. But it
2: was a you know? great costume, bro. You liked it, man, because it was like um, it was like the one of those um somewhat semi, semi hippie driven ones, like like Kill Raven. Oh yeah. <laughs> with with the long with the long boots and the, and a the hat and a half uh, half shoulder uh, half uh, chainmail.
1: <laughs> so, oh yeah, I'm pulling up an image of it now. Uh, yeah, that is that's cool. <laughs> All right.
2: All right,
0: it's fun stuff, man. Yeah, man. And, the, you know, the thing about uh, that was so interesting was the fact that they wanted the, the man-wolf to have a costume. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have the Hulk and you have Werewolf by Night. Basically, my pants are ripped up because I've transformed. Yeah. That's pretty much how it, anybody should look, right? It's just like, okay, whatever you had on before you transformed, if it can even remain on your body in, in its half-wolf, half-humanoid form or whatever... But the fact that he had a costume like with this disco collar and yeah. you know and in the in the in the, the muscle shirt and all right. this kind of stuff is like okay all right I guess you know
2: I'll take it.
0: But I was I was a big Neil Adams fan mm-hmm. like before I met uh our mutual friend Dwight Don Hillsman. Mhm. I was a big Neil Adams fan and I was on the hunt for anything Neil Adams had mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And even at like maybe 14 or 15 even if he drew the covers, I wanted the covers, and I remember, I was going in the, looking in the price guide because the price guide was our Google back then. Right,
2: it was, so, it was.
0: So you could look in the back and you could see under a title, which artists and which writers worked on what books or whatever, and then you could say, okay, issues sixteen through seventeen, blah 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 blah, and they would even list what covers they did. So mm-hmm. I looked up Neil Adams did some covers to House of Mystery and House of Secrets. Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I guess I got to get them. So, you know, I hunted them down. <laughs> being the completest that you are. Being the completest that you are. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Right.
0: And I remember getting those. And then after that, maybe meeting Don. And Don was just, he was Adrian before there was an Adrian. He was oh, yeah. just had an encyclopedic knowledge of comics. Oh, yeah. Who did what. And he had all the stuff. He had the Warren magazines of Creepy and Eerie. Yeah. So, you know, he would be showing, "Oh, this is Angelo Torres and this is Alfredo Alcala." Mm-hmm. And he had the oversized reprints of uh, EC Comics. How old was he at this time? 16. No, he was he was 17, I was 16.
1: That's funny because, that, you know, I may be wrong about this, I just I always think that if you know artists' names and if you know the their body of work and if you're chasing down creators like that, I always thought that was like an older
2: mm-hmm. the signs of an older fan, you know. Well, Don's been an older Don's been an old spirit too, man. So that would, that would that would be that would, that would track. That would track. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but he he showed me all that stuff. The EC reprints, and like, mm-hmm. oh, this is Graham Ingalls. This is Will Elder. Right. Uh, this is Joe Orlando. He actually is an editor at DC now. Damn. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bernie Krikstein and Reed Crandall, all those guys. And so I remember realizing, okay, horror was a thing. And I think Don might've been the first person who ever talked to me about uh, seduction of the innocent, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, how all that happened. But,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and and I do remember looking at creepy and eerie magazines when I was a kid in Chicago, like at the age of eight or nine or 10, mm-hmm. because as I've said multiple times on the show, you could go to the grocery store and on the magazine rack, there'd be comics, there'd be a spinner rack. And then there'd be a section on the bottom shelf of the grocery store where there would be creepy and eerie magazine and Ma- Fangoria and, mm-hmm. and Vampirilla and yeah, man. you Ooh. know and all that stuff and Conan man Conan man Conan and the Spirit you know like you could you know I'm like I'm like nine I'm like okay
3: <laughs> you know <laughs> let's go <laughs> right <laughs> um,
0: so those are kind of like my first my first thoughts about it but as it relates to horror and just kind of people's cause I guess I kind of want some of the conver- our conversation today to kind of center around like, you know, certain, you know, fans fascination with horror artists who seem to kind of like specialize and lean into horror, mm-hmm. but, but also like our general public's the general public's um, kind of love hate relationship with violent, Mm. Creepy, disturbing images, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when my wife Christy and I, we were, when we were dating, you know, I'd go over to her house, and uh, she was living with her parents. You know, we'd rent a movie, and we'd watch a movie. And uh, both of my wife's uh, parents, who has since passed away, mm. but at that time, you know, they were, uh, you know, they were really religious. So, right. you know, they didn't want any R-rated movies in the house. So if it was an R-rated movie, you know, you'd have to pause it you know, you'd have to have the the remote on, like hair trigger, to pause it when they came in the room. <laughs> sure. To try to well, that rules <laughs> out
1: just about all horror movies, you know.
0: Well, yeah, it does. Right. But you know, like even like an action movie with like shooting and killing and some nudity, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to be quick, you'd have to be quick with it, you know. And I remember being quick with it, and you know, so it kind of got me thinking, like in the '80s, you know, like the big thing was like video games and violence, mm-hmm.
1: and violence for sure,
0: that kind of thing. Yeah, and then going back to the 50s, you know, you had, uh, you know, crime and horror comics. And then, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, it's going to turn kids into juvenile delinquents. It's not decent, you know. But anyway, why do you guys think that certain artists are drawn to that stuff? Because, Brax, when I first told you about this this as a topic, you were like, so it's going to be the Bernie Wrightson show, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's, he's the one that
1: and he brought a lot. I mean, he's known... I mean for his craft. So he was good in doing and yeah. doing horror. I mean he's he's just one of the the ones that that immediately comes to mind when you think about the old school artists but you know as I'm looking around and as we traded images and artists as leading up to today, you know, talking about this and mm-hmm. and I'm I'm like, "Oh wow, yeah, of course he would be a horror artist." And then you look at um Some guys that are are modern, you know, Mm -hmm. and and, Mm -hmm. you know, how big of a I mean, horror comics and horror as a a genre in comics is almost I don't know. uh, um, Who's the guy? He he recently passed away. As soon as you you sent his name, he he drew a lot for Mignola's books. Uh, Richard Corbin. Richard Corbin. Yeah. Okay. now yeah. yeah oh man like he's one of those artists and that, that you know when I first saw his work I'm like oh I, this this isn't for me at all i I, mm-hmm. I don't it's same it's, it ain't working but he was able to really with his compositions like just strike a nerve uh he's he was able to catch capture tone or, or what have you and mm-hmm. um I wasn't aware of his body of work past comics but if you look at all of that stuff it's like wow you know uh, i hope he was a happy man on this planet
2: (laughs) he's got some crazy (laughs)
1: stuff in his head you know
2: you know um to that point though man uh sadly i don't think richard corbin really was i mean i've heard i've heard things and seen things that that he he had he had varying degrees of 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 um mental anguish yeah that that Mm -hmm. actually actually like rang through in his work Mm -hmm. and um but but he he definitely had a, a certain a certain sense of um a grasp of liquidity. Like his stuff was always juicy. It was always runny. It was always yeah. like mucusy. It yeah. was always visceral. <laughs> and it, you know, and it, and it was like it was like dude. It's like I I guess it's what it takes to be successful as a horror as a horror uh, artist. You have to have something a, a certain mastery of that kind of craft. Like the the the, pulse, the pulpiness and stuff. You got to be able to get that. Well, and, the
1: thing of it is, is is you got to you know when you we think about all of these these great horror artists from. the old days and even now it's like, you know, they have to go someplace in their mind, you know, and they, because they're trying to reach and grab something that's going to affect you as the audience looking at the art. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I I did a Western, you know, I, I, I draw some and, and I like, I like the sequential art. I like to tell stories with images, that sort of thing. So yeah, I did a Western after watching several Western movies. I was inspired and I would like to do like a scary horror tale or whatever, but uh, I just haven't sat down with it. But, you know, there's different th- different aspects to horror. Are you doing like an O. Henry ending? Are you doing body horror? You know, are you doing mm-hmm. uh, just gross out, gory horror? You know, there's lots of of places you can go and it still be considered horror. I mean, Mignola, Mike Mignola of Hellboy, he's considered a horror artist. Is he not? Sure. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: he, he certainly loves the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the genre, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you consider, um, uh, who
1: is the guy that did the BPRD for the longest? Guy Davis. Guy Davis. Would you consider him a horror artist?
0: Maybe not a horror artist, but he certainly did a good job with that uh, that subject matter. Yeah, uh, in, right. In, in the same way, Mignola does. I think, like for instance, for with comics, especially like you know modern comics. Let's say comics of the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. It's hard to consider thirty years as being modern, but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got Mignola, who's kind of blending, kind of darker, you know, feeling. Uh, subject matter with superheroes, for the most part, because it was only until the time that he got to Hellboy, where he was just like, okay, I'm only going to draw the stuff that I like—monsters, yeah, and weird-looking aliens and creatures—and yeah, that's all I'm going to do. And and he got really mm-hmm. successful with it, and so he didn't go back to drawing like chubby Wolverine and, and chubby <laughs> Batman, and you know right. any of the stuff he was doing before. Yeah. But yeah. S- similarly, like with uh, Kelly Jones, who clearly is an acolyte of of Bernie Wrightson. Yes, but but Kelly Jones, you know, he's drawing Batman, but Batman has more in common with Dracula than he yes. does with the Justice League. You know, yeah, you know mm-hmm. the way he the way he renders him, and, and Dead Man, you know, Dead Man looks like a you know like a crackhead or a meth addict, you know, <laughs> he he like, looks like a dead man, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? you know. Right? But I think kind of what like what Braxton's touching on is um, is maybe is there a difference between like horror comics versus uh, or not even comics per se, but like horror versus creepy and, and scary versus something that's psychologically disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like there are some uh, some concept artists that I've become a fan of, you know, since, I've, you know, Dwight and I have, have started sharing, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, Dwight turned me on to it. Oh, yeah. They're, you know, they're doing they're doing an image that's in service to a movie or a video game or some other project. But the images are really disturbing, like, mm-hmm. you know, Brad Ridney, Rigney and um, Anato Stark. you know, I mean, they, you know, they do illustration and stuff, too. But, you know, well, when even H.R. Geiger, Yeah, yeah. And even, yeah, Dwight was mentioned, H.R. Uh, Geiger, and it's like, I had totally forgotten. I was like, yeah, that's like the creepiest dude ever.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what
2: I mean? He's a grandfather. Yeah, he's a grandfather of textures, textures and... and Organic sexualized imagery—it's yeah. monstrous, you know. That's what he does, you know. So, so, uh, so, are we? Would you
1: separate uh, comics artists? Like, are they doing something different uh, versus like just a concept artist who is going to this place over and over? There, who's the artist, Dwight? I know you know who he is. He, he he's famous for this book, and it's basically. A walk through hell and he he drew hell and uh all of the the demons of hell,
2: oh uh yeah uh uh barlow, yes, Steven I don't know if it was the first uh Michael barlow, yeah,
1: it, it was like a concept book or whatever, but it's real, just the places he goes in his head wayne wayne barlow wayne barlow yeah
2: wayne barlow met him in, met him in New York City, actually, really nice guy, man, really nice guy, and his stuff is really yeah, yeah his stuff is bow down man, yeah. <laughs> But 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 the, all these guys owe like like for example, I, I kinda wanna give uh due to give uh, uh, credit where credit is due. Like uh you mentioned uh my one of my favorite artists of all time a really good guy, uh uh Bernie Wrightson. Bernie Wrightson owes Krigstein a, a, a nod. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Graham Ingalls. And Graham Ingalls and, 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 and Bernie and uh Bernie uh, um Barlow owes um oh what's his name? Um
1: I'm glad you're doing this, Dwight, because now I'm not the only one doing this, reaching for names.
2: <laughs> right, right. Uh, Bozinski. B- uh, his name is Bozinski. B- uh, uh, Zislav Bozinski. Right. <sighs> Incredible. Incredible artist, man. I mean, this stuff is just like, you know it when you see it. Like, you feel it. Like, and, and, and I think even Giger owes him a little bit of uh, a, a little respect because the, the, organ, the organic stuff that, that he was doing back in the 60s and the, and the 50s and the 40s, 40, 50, 60s, which was incredible for, for the artwork back then. Great poster work for the theater and things like that. So yeah, these guys are, you yeah, know, are, are forerunners and incredible. But yeah, to your point though, Braxton, I think mm-hmm. horror as a genre is not really, in comics especially, unless it's like designed to be that way, it's, it's a subset of a story, so it's not really a, at least today, way it's absorbed. It's not really a, a focus, like it becomes a thing wherein it's part of a bigger story. Like I look at like, um, one of my favorite artists now is um modern artists is Jerome Opinion. Right. Jerome Opinion does like mm-hmm. fantastic line work, man. And I mean, he did this thing called um uh, Seven to Eternity, I think that's right. And um it was a mixture it was obviously it was a mixture of like uh science fiction and fantasy, but it had like a very strong leaning towards the lininess of, of of uh of uh of horror. Yeah. He's got, and even in the X-Men stuff he was doing uh, back then, it, it had that, he did this uh, River Sticks like homage, and it was, it was it was great, man. I mean, I, I could see him doing horror that way, and, it, you know, and I don't know, it's just a strange thing, man. Like, I, I don't, I think I think horror with the intent of being a horror to me is kind of, these days, kind of disingenuous. Like, there, need, there needs to be more levels to the story, and just, I'm going to scare the shit out of you. Like it can't be a it can't be a gore fest. I don't like gore fest. That's why I didn't care much for um, that that crazy movie series that was so popular. Saw it was like okay yeah, yeah. so Saw and Hostel and yeah I get it. This <clears throat> uh, this guy's doing this in penance for people's sins he, he thinks are sins and stuff like that, and he's he's putting them through a test and stuff. Who's gonna be the last man standing? You know I get it, but I just uh, no I'm good.
0: Go ahead, Swanker. I was just gonna say I think a lot of that stuff is referred to as torture porn. Yeah yeah you know where it's just watching people agonize about, you know, having to saw their own limb off or whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, as opposed to, uh, and I think, you know, my daughter has seen all, <laughs> believe it or not, my 16-year-old daughter has seen all of the Saw movies. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. She's
0: seen every one of them. <laughs> and she says the first right. one, and a lot of people say that the first one is actually pretty good. It is a little more psychological. Yeah. And and less of a gore fest. But, you know, as the as the less talented, you know, creators got on board and wanted to... <laughs> Make another one. Make another one. Right. Okay, we'll give this guy a million dollars. Make another one. Okay, we'll give this gal a million dollars. Make another one, you know, yeah, to the point where it becomes kind of, you know, it becomes lesser. But I, th- I think also, too, like with, so for instance, with comics, and you do still have some, I, I think Dwight is right, you can't, in comics, it doesn't seem to be a horror comic per se. Hellboy is kind of a superhero or an anti-hero, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's more of a pulp. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's it's got supernatural horror elements. in it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. a comic series written by uh, uh, Joel Jones called uh, Lady Killer, and it's it's basically I think it's basically about like a housewife in uh, like a 50s, and she's like just like killing people and hiding bodies in the trunk and yeah, you know, and stabbing her, <laughs> cutting her husband's limbs off and putting them in blenders and whatnot. Yeah, but, oh. but she's a she's a killer. You know what I mean? She's she's you know she's a killer. And, and even like, uh, uh, like Corbin, you know, he did a, a miniseries. Richard Corbin did a, a Ghost Rider miniseries. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I was a kid reading Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider was always pretty scary because it was like, okay, these people are dealing with the devil and demons. Right. You mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. I remember there was, an ep- there was an issue of Ghost Rider where he, maybe he runs up on the son of Satan or somebody, but there's a demon.
2: Damien Hellstrom sir. <laughs>
0: it, but, I don't. Maybe it wasn't that. But I know was, he encountered somebody. A demon possessed this person, and they like threw up the green vomit on somebody. And started speaking, <laughs> started speaking backwards and in Latin and shit. And I was just like, <laughs> and it was really kind of disturbing for me as a kid because you know this was a. Man, you know it's bad when when they're
1: speaking Latin backwards. You know, like right, right. <laughs> it's not just regular backwards, it's Latin
0: and backwards. Right. Latin in and of itself <laughs> is already frightening. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, I don't think there's a lot of horror specifically in comics, horror elements in comics. But like to what Braxton was saying earlier, like you've got uh, illustrators who became known for like book covers and magazine covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're just doing like a single one shot illustration of, you know, you've got like Basil Gogos so is going to do like the classic monsters, mm-hmm. uh, the classic universal monsters. You've got, uh, I th- and I sent you guys an image of uh, Enrique Torres. He did uh, uh, some Vampirilla stuff. Yeah. And some other horror stuff. Uh, San Julian, who's a a tremendous artist. San Julian is an incredible artist. Um, and, you know, he's done some stuff like that. And then yeah, man, you do have, like, you know, you had the horror comics of, you know, Marvel and DC and mainstream comics. You know, they like the 60s and the 70s. But I don't think there's that much of it now. And then, you know, um, like, you know, Dwight was pointing out, you know, like a lot of European comics, you know, like Richard Corbin did, you know, a lot of crazy stuff in heavy metal. He worked for Creepy Mm -hmm. and Eerie magazine. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: The Serpieri and the Luis Royo stuff that you sent us, Dwight, what was that published? Uh, That might have been the 70s and 80s, man. I mean, well, well, um, one of the books by uh, Royo was uh, recent. Well, I wouldn't say recent. In the aughts, so it was like in the 90s, not around 92, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and called Malefic, which I love and I have. Um, and then, of course, um, I have all of Serpieri's books, because it's the kind of guy I am. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, well, for, for Serpieri, for me, the love affair started off with, with Druna, of course, yeah. and it was in heavy metal. Uh, with heavy metal, and it was—it wasn't just—it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just the, the eye candy. It was, it was the line work,
0: man. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, the, it,
2: the 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 attention to detail and the and the and the and the and the, the, the cross hatching It was just like it was like wow, I hadn't seen done like that before. It was it was craggy and yeah and nasty and, and and temperamental. And it was like wow, this guy can tell a fucking story, and it's like and it's dark and creepy and funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain aspects are really kind of funny. In a, in a perverse manner, and, and, and more perverse than one. It was like sometimes it was, uh, it was a little a little uh, a small person getting getting his come up as from being a brutal little motherfucker, you know. Um, but it was um, it was it was great, man. I mean, and uh, uh Sir Pierre is just a, a grandmaster, man. I mean, yeah. this guy, even 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 Brian Stelfreeze, one of our one of our, our friends of the show and and renowned Atlanta artist, man, it, did, did a, a deconstruct of his work and was just um, amazed by the level of his of his competency ability to create life. Yeah. And,
1: uh, well it's almost like he and as as it is it seems with a lot of these artists is is that uh you'll see uh, you you'll see something and you'll say all right this is horror. He's this is a mm-hmm. horror illustration or, or he's walking down the horror path. But mm-hmm. it, you know, you see that a lot in um two thousand AD or heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Where there's a science fiction element to it, or there's a cheesecake mm-hmm. element added to it, uh, some this person may be uh, tapping into. Well, at this point, I think uh, Lovecrafty and stuff is is its own genre. You know, it's it's oh, yeah, almost sure.
3: mm-hmm.
1: bigger than than him. You know, it's 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 gone in different places. Uh, so you'll see them, you know, tapping into these other things. And then you'll see, of course, you know, artists that are just like Ryan Otley of Invincible. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't horror at all. But mm-hmm. he, he's drawing gory stuff that's as gory as anything can yeah. you know, be. But yeah. we would label it under violence as before we would label it under horror. So mm-hmm. for me, when I think of what makes something horror, you know, what, what makes a comic horror? And um, I don't know, I think it's just the way, it for a comic, it, it's got to be tied to the story, you know, and it's the way that the story makes you feel, you know, do, do you feel unease uh, because of it, or or whatever. I mean, there's some comics that's so effective, I can't read them. Like, if the girls are, you know, if I happen to be at home alone, and it's night, I don't know how you guys are, man, but... <laughs> That's the witching hour for me. The the lights in the house go off, all of the like porch lights are on, so I can see out, you know, and and all the doors are locked. Uh, But I, you know, I'm I gotta have people around me, you know, at at nighttime. And you know, if you're watching a movie or or reading a comic that's really hitting those nerves, you
0: know, they're doing their job. You know, I'm freaked out. So, so I, let me ask you guys, because this was always the debate: that can a comic actually scare you? Uh, you know, one that has a horror theme in terms of the story, because you know, and it can com- unsettle you. Yeah, because that's because that's the thing that like, with a comic, there's no sound, there's no movement; it's a static image. So there's no, you know, there's no jump scare. Yeah, you're
1: not getting a jump scare.
0: Right, but like you're saying, like I can remember reading some of those old EC comics and you know, it'd be like, oh, somebody was killed and then they <laughs> came back to life. But not in like a like a fun zombie kind of a... No. Oh. It's like, right. oh, right. so-and-so was alive. Wait, what? No, I saw right. him. And then, or, you know, someone appearing to someone mm-hmm. who's dead and mm-hmm. uh, that person being freaked out. Um, and especially like if it's a female character and so she's not being believed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then it's like, you know, and so like you're saying the unsettled or the disturbing part of it or the part that creates anxiety and comics do have some sense of a of a jump scare in the sense of turning the page right you know is is that that last panel on on the page on the on the right and then you turn it to the page on the left and then you get the reveal of what you know what you were leading to from the you know the the previous page but um i think that's kind of what it is and I, and that was that was a large part of like for the ec comics and really warren um well The EC Comics actually predated the Comics Code Authority Mm -hmm. in the sense of subject matter. And they may have actually even been the impetus for the Comics Code Authority uh, to some extent. I'm sure they were. And then, um, but Warren, uh, when they were publishing Creepy and Eerie back in the 60s, they didn't have a Comics Code Authority seal on it. So, I mean, they would do nudity and, you know, have all kinds of extreme stuff in there. But I do think you're right. It's some of it, sometimes the ideas of the stories were unsettling. Like maybe to some extent, I guess you know, you know, part of what draw drew me to like a Bernie Wrightson or um, you know, even like some of Frank Frazetta's more kind of horror centric book covers, like that, mm-hmm. the spider, the guy killing the giant spider. Yeah. You know, and the spider's legs are coming out of the water, and he's on top of it. And yeah, he's got a so spear in the spider. In yeah.
2: Oh, that's oh, that's so, you know, so gorgeous, man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> even
0: you know something like that, or even like his classic monsters, like the werewolf in the in, in, in at midnight, and he's attacking the guy, or Dracula.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, mm-hmm. e- even some of those, like, like you know, even what Dwight is even touching on the craftsmanship of Frazetta's paintings. He made the heart that which should repulse you. It drew mm-hmm. you in because the craftsmanship was so beautiful. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm.
0: and it was so like awe-inspiring. It was just like, okay, I don't care what the subject is. This is just rendered and just and just you know the mark making is just so beautiful. Yeah, man. You can't not look at it. Bernie Wrightson's uh, those Frankenstein drawings. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're yeah, they're oh that's school. That is school for me. <laughs> just open it up and
0: oh my god. Yeah, man. You know. Yeah. Man. And, and even the craftsmanship of what he did with Frankenstein, you know, that leads me back to like Booth and some of mm-hmm. those uh, those great black and white pen masters, and you know, the you know people who did scratchboard and whatnot. You know, I went back yes. and discovered yes. some of some of those artists uh, as a result of that. You know,
1: well, well you you bring up Richard Corbin, like, uh, and we had brought up Hellboy as not as being more pulp as it is horror, but I mean, it's still classified as horror. Um mm-hmm. like it's it I, it they it carries that genre today, like they call it horror. And hard mm-hmm. sometimes they'll call it superheroes. But the story that Corbin did when when they tapped him to do one of the the trades, he did the crooked man. And it's a, a story that takes place uh basically it's capturing all of the scariness that is the Appalachia. Haunted, witchy Mm. uh, genre. Which, as someone who has grown up in Georgia, lives in Georgia, I'm a southerner. This is my home. The Appalachian mountains and old people and witches and all that sort of stuff. That is freaky, scary to me. I mean, that that really strikes a nerve. But that story is one of the scariest stories that I've experienced. In comics. That one, and of course, the the swamp thing, but you know, that might have been, you know, my age. I don't know. But it's so affecting uh, what mm-hmm. Corbin was able to do uh, with his art and with Mignola's tale. Um,
2: Man, you need to check out, you need to, check, to your point, though, you also need to check out um, The Fall of the House of Usher that Bernie Wrightson did. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a southern tale, too. It's about, yeah. it's about the fall of the house is of he, Usher. Is and it
1: not Edgar
2: Allan Poe? or... Yeah, it is exactly. It, it is. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, but
1: it's it's really really good, man. I have to check it it's out. Really good. I have to check out more Bernie Wrights, and I, I mean, I've get, I don't have enough Bernie Wrights, and I'm just aware of his the his one off illustrations. I've never read any of his books mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know who is a really uh, effective modern um, artist that is really there's a comic that's coming out now. It's an anthology. It's about a silver coin. And so they tell, they're telling different stories, uh, one-off stories, that center around this silver coin, and it's a horror. But one of the artists, and I actually follow him on Instagram, his name's Michael Walsh, and just talking about one single image being frightening. If you look at, he did, he did uh, so, uh, some images called Sleep Stories, and it's basically just just a one-off image. And it's usually, I mean, he's captured those moments that I was telling you about when you're at home alone or whatever, and it's everything's dark. And so he's got this right. one picture. One of them that's the most freaky is you could see in the foreground the silhouette of the guy in bed looking up. And he's looking at his window, and there's this figure, like, partially in view at the side of his window tapping on it and it just mm-hmm. says
2: tap, tap, tap. That would freak me out. And there's no way I could look <laughs> at
1: that image like when I'm at home. And it's just, he, there's not a comic. It's just one-off image. Right. But Michael Walsh is one that, uh, I mean, when I first uh, was exposed to him, he, he had did a book with Ed Brisson called The Comeback. But I mean, now I feel like his horror stuff is like really good. But uh, if you look at his Instagram uh, account, uh, you'll see those images that he drew. And he did all, every single one of them will freak you out. You cannot look at it when it's late at night. Mm. Mm.
2: Send me a link, man. I'm interested, man. Yeah. And, 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 And something you're hitting on too, Brax, which I think both of us are always kind of same agreement with, is that horror, the best horror is subtle. And it plays tricks on your mind. It's not always the visual thing, and, and even it could be a visual thing as well. Mm-hmm. But but the the overall gross-out factor of what's today's traditional horror becomes today's traditional horror is, is is overwhelming and just and overdone. Like I, I think of um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, I was always a big fan of Neil Gaiman, but but to hear the the, the, the orchestration and, and of uh, of the Sandman that's that's on the, on Audible now, yeah, it's a it's it's a whole other level, man. Mm. And there's this, there's this there's this, there's this um chapter where the corinthian um is in a i think it's the corinthian he's he's in, he's in uh this bar and he keeps people there for days months on end just to just to satisfy his his own his own um intellectual curiosity and and, and sadistic nature and it's just like you, you can hear the people like like trying to break out and and trying to they're questioning what they're doing yeah and he's like no you don't you don't do this and it's, and it's this whole manipulation thing that he does man it's just, it's incredible to hear and he and he's saying he, he he eats people's eyes, like <laughs> oh. you know. I mean, things like that. It's like I mean, how could you, how could you like I mean, either, either eat people's eyes or his or his eyes are teeth. Well, between the two of those, it's just, it's just e- weird.
1: E- either way. That's just not good. Either way, you
2: know. And it's like, dude, it's like, what the hell? It's like, and, and the way the way the story is told, it's like, it's very visual in nature. But you're not seeing it; you're hearing it, and 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 you know, only the the, the would go. I like the comic, and I saw the Corinthian there, but it, it, the the overall audio version is much more much more dynamic and much more um, um, engaging to me than the, than the visuals were, and that that's, that shows. It's like okay, that there's only so far that, that certain artists can take you visually on a page that an author with the right soundscape can do much more. Right. Um, in a lot of cases than 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 what the visual can, nature of the books can can t- can take you. That's not, that's not that's not saying that's not that's not a poo poo on the artist. It's just you know, uh, Alan Moore's uh, copious scripts, man, are, are, yeah. are, are infamous, man. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You know, and you only, you only have so much time to produce that kind of stuff, dude. And you, you know, it's like, you know, you look at this stuff, it's like, wow. I mean, think about what we're talking about what we talked about the aforementioned, um, Bernie Rice and How long it took to do that? That those Frankenstein uh, plates, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, you know, for for an artist to be able to accomplish something like that, dude, that's just a lot of time and commitment, and and knowing what your vision is going to be from the very beginning. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, there's no mistakes there. Yeah. But, uh, is yeah.
1: Sandman, is that, is, is that like, if you go to look for Sandman, is that considered a horror comic?
2: Almost oh, definitely. Yeah. almost definitely. Not most fantasy? De- a, a horror, fa- uh, a horror fantasy. A horror, a horror, a horror, a horror fantasy. Horror fantasy. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely that for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a great story, man. It's a great story. I mean, Gaiman just, he's, he slays. Yeah. He slays.
0: I've heard nothing but great things about that, uh, the mm-hmm. Audible for uh, Sandman, uh, mm-hmm. James McAvoy is, uh as the uh, the main character. Yeah, I say he crushes it. Yo, says he really crushes it, kills it. Dude. He's so, like, wow. Aren't yeah.
1: they doing a uh, a movie or a Netflix show? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, two things two thing, two, you know, two things that happen. So so an Audible, they they released a second series that's out, and then like you said, Netflix there's going to be an actual live action series. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for both of those, and the guy that cast is Morpheus looks really good yeah yeah they, tra-
0: they uh the first trailer uh, maybe it's a teaser is out now so you can actually see a bit of it and uh and Gaiman actually did work on the uh on the series as a producer mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh so it should have his fin- it should have his fingerprints on it but do you guys think because obviously there are some people who mm-hmm. you know like we mentioned earlier, uh a lot of the artists that were working for e c. comics. These were just some of the best cartoonists out there, and they just happened to be drawing crime stories, war stories, uh, and in some cases, horror stories, but that's not necessarily who they were. Wally Wood has probably done more superheroes and fantasy than he's done horror, but he has done some of that stuff, and so there are a lot of artists who have done horror, but it's not necessarily their thing. Um, like Francesco Francavilla, our former guest, you know, he's mm-hmm. done... All kinds of stuff. But he does do right. horror really, really well. You know, he does, right. you know, dark, foreboding, you know, nightmarish scenes. He does them does them well. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. uh Tula LaToy, you know, she's done all kinds of stuff. But, you know, she did like some covers for American Vampire and uh and she did a series I think called The Wicked and the Divine, which is more like a fantasy horror
1: yeah
0: uh kind of kind of a book. But I just wonder if in some cases are some people kinda of really born to it and some people kind of lean into it? Like I look at um illustrators and concept artists like Alan Williams, those creatures that he creates. Sir sure. First of all, his, his pen his pen, his pencil game is so on point, you can't fuck with him. And then sure. on and then on top of that, you know, he just does it he does it so well, it's like this is what you were born to do. Same thing with uh Travis Lewis. You know, the haunted the haunted pencil. I mean, his pencil work and his graphite work is just so lovely. And you're just like, okay, this is a skull being fondled by a child or whatever, <laughs> but it just looks so sure. amazing. And even going back to, oh, look, there, Dwight's got the, uh, he's got the, yeah. what is that? I can't art
1: even see the, the, it's the not, title. It's not the, focused. The, in the, 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 the Covenant.
2: The Art of Alan Williams. The Art of Alan Williams, yeah. Yeah, man, that, that's his, that's his uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's gorgeous.
0: He, he and Travis are amazing artists. And even I'll, I'll go back to maybe even, I think, our former guest Jeff Preston said, you know, like some people are just hard chose them. They didn't choose horror. Hard chose them. Mm-hmm. Like Jeff, mm-hmm. you know, does a lot of work for like religious publications and for uh, churches mm-hmm. and, and, and things like mm-hmm. that. But he loves him some fucking monsters and witches and <laughs> vampires and goblins yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. he does and yeah. he does a he does a, an equally great job of rendering that stuff. So I wonder if some people like Wrightson, or Basil Gogos are literally like this is this is what they should be doing. Yeah, as opposed to them deciding to do it. You know what I mean? Do you, what do yeah. you think?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think. Well, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm going back to Michael Walsh again. And it's like when I first saw his art and it was completely competent, he could tell a story with it. He, he, you know, when it comes to comic art, there's some deal breakers that you got to know how to do. He knows how to do all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's almost like with him, you can see that he loves the horror or the freak out or the creepy like he gets it you know he he knows what it is that's going to to really zing you you know visually and mm-hmm. you know I don't know that as a lot of artists that know I don't know that I would know how to do that and I'm a pretty competent artist but mm. I don't think I could I don't know that I can go there or I, I, I you know that may not be my forte um, it may not be a, lo- a lot of artists may not have that that scary spot within them to pull off the image to get get what, what's in their head on, on the page um. but that might be it of course you know a lot of these artists are led by a writer and sometimes that pairing is like a match made in heaven where you know mm-hmm. they come up with a creepy story and then that artist brings his creep into it and you've got You've got some horror, you know. You've got a good success. Yeah, you've got a masterpiece.
0: I think back, man, on, uh, like some of the uh, some of the illustrations that I've seen over the years, that really set set me aside and, uh, in, you know, in, in a sense of like you're saying unnerving you and really zinging you. And it's almost like the comparison could kind of be made for like a Bernie Wrightson or Walsh, like what you're talking about, uh, 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 Braxton or. You know any of the artists we're talking about who really lean into it hard? Where, you know, like you look at someone like uh, Adam Hughes or Dave Stevens
3: mm-hmm. or
0: even Serpieri, where there is an attention to detail to the female form that they're that they're paying that they're connecting with mm. that the average artist is not. There's a subtlety in the way a female body moves, mm-hmm. in the way that a hip turns, in terms of the way a woman stands her wrist, her eyes, her facial expressions, the way her boobs hang, you know, the dimples in her ass, whatever it is. <laughs> right. You know, there, there's there's a, there's a particular detail that they're keying in on. That's why they're so good at it. And you see other people draw women, and it's like, okay, this just looks like a softer dude with breasts and long hair. Right. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that in some cases, like with Bernie, like Bernie's like you know the 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 image of the guy leaning on the fence with the uh, with the heads that have been beheaded yes and they're, man. and they're on the fence post and he's got the axe right right mm-hmm. everything about that that image is connected to what he's trying to 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 portray the ends of the guy's fingertips mm. are creepy and horrible yeah his eyelashes mm-hmm. and his hair. Yeah. You know, drenched in sweat because he's just spent the last 20 minutes dismembering people and cutting their heads off.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, and you know, <laughs> everything about the image, the, the rendering of the wood in the fence, if there's any leaves or blades of grass in the background, everything speaks to that in a way that's way more specific yeah. than just someone else. You know, um, it, it almost seems like, again, they're they're born for this. So they're connecting with the material in a way that's way deeper yeah. than uh mm-hmm. than just uh I like drawing witches or I like cause you know anybody I can do can, this, I can do that, right. I can do a little bit. Right. Like like yes. you think about how many different artists have rendered vampiril over the years. You yeah. know, going back to Enrique Torres and San Julian and Boris and and right. maybe for I can't remember, and then even up, up to modern day, you know, uh Mike Mayhew and um hmm. Alex Garner, um, I think maybe Jenny Frizen has done a uh, uh, vampirilla, hmm. um, and I think Joelle Jones actually did some vampirilla, or she was published in vampirilla. Mm. But um, you know, all the people who have done vampirilla, but there's something some some people get it a little better, a little differently than others. Because they lean
1: into the horror aspect
0: of it. The yeah, the or brutal... they, they get they get the dance between the sexuality and the the. You know, that which is supposed to repulse you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Vampirilla is supposed to titillate and terrorize at the same time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and they kind of get it. I, I, don't, I don't I don't. know what it is. But. Well, that's the same thing
1: when I see, uh, it's fun to watch, like, some exercise online. You may see a lot of artists do it where they all say, all right, well, we're all going to do Torpedo. You know, let's all take do our take on Torpedo. And then you'll see some and you're like, he gets it. And then you see some saying, "Oh, what is he? He's an Italian guy in a white suit, 1930s." Okay, I got it. And then it, uh, you're missing something. You know, you didn't get it, right? Um, and you know, I, I don't. know. I mean, maybe they just they didn't read the books or what have you, or or whatever. But but yeah, there there is a, a a when it comes to horror, and I guess when any 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 good art, you know, you you have to
2: go there in your head a little bit with it. Mm-hmm,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: <clears> this <throat> is a subtle what, like, what, what, what you're saying is I agree with, it's like a subtly and a sublime execution. Like you, you, like you, 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 you can't teach that it's, it's either there or, and you're feeling it or it's not there. It's like, it's like the way, um, what Ian McKay does, does, uh, handles, handled Darth Maul and uh, the way, 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 the way he creates, uh, concept work for, for Star Wars. Oh yeah. Um,
1: that, that famous image where he's wearing the yellow robe looking. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's as Darth Maul as Darth Maul can be. That's so menacing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Ray
0: Park is not my Darth Maul. In <laughs> the right. Darth Maul is my Darth
2: Maul. Agreed. <laughs> right. 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 You know, it's like, yeah. So things like that, you just can't, you know, you can't replicate. You see, even, even, um, going back to, uh, Kelly Jones doing, uh, doing his, uh, Doing his Dead Man, which is both both, rock, rock, both Swain on his world back then, and realizing it was it was derivative from uh, from, from uh, Gustav Klimt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he, just, he he got so much of what Klimt did right, but then he took it in his own direction. It's 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 impeccably Kelly Kelly uh, Kelly Jones, and he rode that horse to death for for years, dude. Like <laughs> after he does on that Dead Man, he, everything was became more organic and and globular, and the wrong and, and more uh, Popeye. If you, you look know. at
1: Kelly Jones's <laughs> Batman. Like it's almost like okay, let's say Kelly Jones is going to do Batman for five issues, or maybe shorter issues than that. And you read him or the the art, the writer sees sees that okay, Kelly Jones is doing my Batman, and he wow, I'm gonna have to go darker with his story. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I, I'm gonna have to change my story yet because Batman's looking. Yeah, I mean Batman when he catches one of these criminals, I I'm not sure that he's not going to kill him or you know. Suck his blood or something, but but the art informs, you know, the writing probably, especially with Kelly Jones, like with his Batman. You can't write any Batman with Kelly Jones Batman.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure when the writer got the stuff, he's like, okay, I brought a knife to a gunfight. I need to. uh, (laughs) I'm not making the best use of uh, of my collaborator in this sense, uh, right? You know, or this collaboration. So, uh, for sure. Man, before we go, I mentioned this to Adrian and I'll mention it to you guys. And again, I'm I'm not really like a horror person, but mm-hmm. I am kind of getting into it for this month because it's October and Halloween is at the end of the month. My wife's birthday is the day before Halloween. Our friend of the show and my friend uh Mark his birthday is Halloween. So mm-hmm. uh and, and it's just a fun time to kind of, you know, just pull up that stuff and just really just kind of just go at it. It is. But um mm-hmm on the AMC channel if you have access to it or AMC plus the app Eli Roth has a series called History of Horror it's fantastic okay. just fantastic i mean he's going through all the stuff that we're kind of talking about he goes through he starts with um uh starts with zombies you know and they you know and he talks to all kind you know all kinds of people and he's got all the greatest guests and he goes into slashers they do a two-parter on slashers oh wow mm-hmm. Uh, There's an episode on killer creatures. There's an episode on witches. There's an episode on demonic possession. There's Mm. an episode on uh, sequels that don't suck. There's uh, an episode just on...
2: Exorcist (laughs) 3. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Heretic. Heretic was Exorcist 2, right? Yeah, it was Exorcist 2. I think that was Exorcist 2. Exorcist 2 was was the Heretic.
0: But but a lot of the actors from the old horror movies, he talks to them now. He talks to uh, Linda Blair from uh, The Exorcist. And she was talking about you know making the movie and you know mm-hmm. and, and freaking casting her and you know what they were asking her to do and um uh, you know them having to strap something to her body because when she's flailing in the bed right. and, uh, uh, <laughs> and she actually injured her spine you know oh, wow
2: damn
0: while she was doing it, but it's very, very good it's Eli roth, the guy the hard director director period actor
3: yeah
0: um he I think he did hostel and um he did the more recent, uh, remake of, uh, Death Wish with, uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, really? Um, yeah. He directed that. Yeah. And it's not no, great. It's okay. It's not great. But, um, mm. but he's a big horror fan and, but the series is wonderful. Like I'm literally just going through them. There's three seasons of it and I'm just going through them back to back, banging them out, you know, one at a time.
1: Does he, uh, actually name his own, like, uh, hostel would be, what did we call it earlier? Uh. Dwight, it was more. It was a, torture uh, porn. Torture porn. I mean, does he does he acknowledge that? All right, well, you know, I, I did this torture porn movie because it is definitely. I would not call it horror. I mean, it's it's between that and Saw, it's like a whole different thing.
0: No, no, and 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 really and truly, like uh, like for instance, like what you're talking about, that stuff definitely is that. It's like let's see. The victim be agonized in this situation, as opposed to like uh, Braxton when you recommended The Witch to me, yeah, and I watched it, and to this day, I'm still <laughs> thinking about that fucking movie.
1: That movie, that you know what, that movie right there, I think it's on a different level of like fine uh, prestige filmmaking. Yes. Versus, yeah, versus something that will capture your imagination, which, which is, and especially the pure, the Puritan era, you know, witches. I mean, that's creepy old women and all that stuff. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a perfect cauldron, if you will, of no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love that movie.
2: Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrienne Johnson.